Welcome to episode 64 of the Green Healthy Places podcast, in which we discuss the themes of well-being and sustainability in real estate and hospitality. I'm your host, Matt Morley, and in this episode, I'm talking to Gregorio Esteban, founder of Miraval Holdings, a sustainable real estate developer committed to delivering high-quality housing solutions for the Latin America market. As you'll see, they're also big on environmental, social, and governance issues, known as ESG, with a particular emphasis on the social angle, so the S in ESG, given that they have five projects currently underway in Colombia, each one at slightly different stages of planning, construction, and delivery. But crucially, Colombia has an acute housing shortage. So Miraval set out to help plug that gap with middle-class housing that is premium, but also green and healthy. I'll let Gregorio fill you in on the rest of their fascinating story and the idiosyncrasies of doing what they do in a market like Colombia, and as we'll, we'll see, additional LATAM markets such as Panama and Costa Rica. So here he is, Gregorio Esteban. All right, Gregorio, let's do this. Let's focus first on your Villanela project, if we may. Perhaps you could describe that development to us and talk us through how you've adopted what you describe as a vertical integration strategy. And I understand that that includes everything from infrastructure through to commercial real estate components, although essentially it is a residential real estate development. So let's start with that. Yes, uh, the vertical integration um, came by uh, really as a need uh, because uh, when you are developing the type of the, the of the master plan, the, when you're trying to develop the, the, the type of, of uh, projects that we are doing in Latin America, you have to face that there is no infrastructure usually ready to to serve you know all the all the buildings and houses etc. So the first challenge that we face when when we wanted uh, to to start our project was the lack of infrastructure. So we saw that as an opportunity. Um, then we started planning every single thing from scratch. From you know, like the urbanization have to be in a way, also how all the water system could work because there was no any water system around. Uh, how every single thing related to infrastructure should be developed and constructed and, and built. So uh, the vertical integration came just by by as a normal thing. We have to turn ourselves from just a, a, a pure developer to a master planner developer by need. So um, basically, just that. I mean, it was a question of need. If we don't do it that way, could it couldn't be made it? So just that. Well, you certainly make it sound almost easy, but um, of course, it, it's not, and it's a huge amount of extra work and expense. But also, I guess that's where the the opportunity lies. So essentially, you've created or are in the process of creating a a micro city there on the Caribbean coast of, of Colombia. It's a strategic location. You're a short distance from the main city of Cartagena de Indias and various other places of interest, right? And, you know, basically you built an environment that's combining urban amenities with all the necessary transport connections and services rolled into this sort of natural, tranquil setting for a residential product. 
So there is a lot going on there. It's arguably, I think, one of the greatest challenges. But again, you know, that's the opportunity, isn't it, doing what you do. So you've then sought out ways to perhaps corroborate your stance or to add additional gravitas to your stance on on sustainability there. I know that you went for the EDGE sustainability certification, so really a sort of a, a green building, green real estate development certification process. Why did you align with them of, of any of the available options? And, and then as a sort of second part to that story, how did you end up with a B Corps uh, process on your reporting standards. So again, really going for the a world-class benchmark in terms of how you report on your own sustainability standards as a group. All right. From from the very beginning, we were very conscious that if we want to to progress on the on the on the developments that that we are doing in Latin America. Uh, we should be a different type of company or we should portray ourselves as a different type of company because the S component is very important. Um, B Corp is helping us to be perceived as that first and second, um, it's obligating us to, to behave in a certain manner which is aligned with the reality of the region. Um, uh, basically, just that, and the, the certifications that we are we are having in place, uh, or we are pursuing as well, you know, for our our developments, are pretty much aligned with the pursuit of excellence, or the let's call it the E of the ESG um, framework that uh, we want to to be aligned with. So, having this kind of certificates just gives everyone the peace of mind that we are doing what we say that we are doing. I think there's a really valuable lesson in that, that from the real estate development perspective, aligning with global standards, both at the corporate level and at the building level, essentially give you peace of mind. It's not always about reinventing the wheel or necessarily creating your own sustainability standards or trying to sidestep certain issues if you're all in on green buildings healthy buildings creating healthy and green communities as you clearly are then it makes total sense to commit both at the corporate brand level and at building level and i think what you what you pull out there with your with your response was also something to do with how urgent the need is particularly in Latin America, not to the exclusion of other regions, because you could say, arguably, you know, Western Europe, where, where I am, uh, you know, we're, we're doing even more damage in a sense, but it's probably more a case of a different type of damage in this society to the damage being done over there. And I can completely see how the genius of these global standards, in a sense, is that they are applicable for slightly different reasons and with slightly different priorities in very different parts of the world. But in the end, it's all one planet, isn't it? That's that's the key here. And to do our bit as a developer, uh, the key concept is to rely on 
the established standards and effectively stand on the shoulder of giants who've done the work, whether it's the well-building standard or, or EDGE or LEED or any of the others, to leverage the work that has been done and use that as guidance and as reassurance, both internally for yourselves and externally for your buyers or for outside investors or anybody else looking on. I think that's, that's a, a really valuable piece of, of insight from the inside looking out. We mentioned, I just mentioned buyers there. So how would you describe the target market that you're after in, in Colombia for these sort of nature-focused and, and sustainable residential communities? What type of demographic profile is, is typically most attracted to this kind of ESG-led positioning in Colombia and indeed around the region in Latin America? Are there any particular sustainability features, for example, that stand out as being particularly marketable or attractive for your target audience over there? You can probably tell what I'm trying to get at is whether there's any differences between the uh, key purchase drivers in different regions of the world, even if the uh, positioning of the, the project itself is essentially around health and well-being. So it'd be great to hear your, your thoughts on that. Well, uh, as, as there is a, a, a structural deficit of housing, um, here is not so easy to, to respond. Usually, younger customers are, are usually more attracted to anything related to sustainability, just for a generational you know, alignment with, with the message. But uh, we are targeting mainly middle class, that aspirational middle class that is his second home, obviously his first home, you know, young people that's just getting married and wants to raise the kids in a, in a better um, environment, in a, in a, in a better um, place. Uh, but our target is pretty much middle class. Um, and uh, it, it's not a question of who is more interested in wealth. Everybody's interested in sustainability, but not everyone or everybody can afford it. So um, at the end, we're just in that mid-range because we don't do social housing. And we also, we are not doing, you know, high profile or luxury properties, even though, you know, the quality of the properties that we are delivering is very high. So, you know, it should be, the right side is to be middle class. Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. You've got this emerging middle class who have, to some extent, grown up with just this unbelievable natural context. I mean, anyone who spent any time in Colombia, the wealth of natural beauty there is just so impressive. And although the cities can be very dense and urban, you don't have to go far to connect with some of the most stunning natural landscapes that I've ever seen. And so, you know, that, that must be on some level part of the natural, of the local culture. And so, yeah, it, it, it makes sense that a young 30 to 40 something middle-class family looking for a premium lifestyle residential community are also interested in, in integrating an element of sustainability. And in your case, you know, a considerable amount of sustainability planning that's gone into it. I think it also you know, counter, counters the previous 
suggestions or over the last decade or so, you know, there have been claims that perhaps sustainability is more for the upper end of the market, uh, sort of more luxury offices or high-end offices, big budgets because it costs more. And there's always that conversation with clients around, you know, how much more expensive is it just because it's going to be sustainable or, or you know, going to be geared specifically for health and well-being. You're living proof that this can now be delivered in certain contexts in Latin America for a mid-tier audience. So obviously premium, but without needing to go into the the upper segment of the market where obviously you can charge more, but also you then leave a lot more people out of the target market. So allow me to push you, if I may, just on that topic of the cultural differences between Europe and Latin America when it comes to, let's call it real estate ESG, but essentially we're talking about green, healthy principles with a social equity angle as well. So you spend time both in the UK, in Switzerland, and in Latin America. How do you see there being differences and, and equally similarities between the way these concepts are adopted and implemented in a local context. You know, is there anything in particular that is of acute urgency in the locations that you're developing in in Latin America, for example? I don't know, provision of wastewater management or, or reliable power supplies, for example, that perhaps we might not consider as a sort of first priority for a project here in Western Europe, but in certain locations that you're exposed to can be especially important or is that being completely naive of me i'll be very honest that would be really interesting to hear your insider perspective on that one well uh, it's a completely different environment when you have to apply all the esg parameters in europe pretty much people which is adapting and uh, transforming certain ways of working materials etc in Latin America, you have to adapt every single thing from zero. I mean, as far as uh, as I said, there is a lack of housing and there is a structural deficit. Um, not everyone, not all the developers as are, you know, uh, really uh, aligned with this ESG framework of working because, first of all, families and, and, and buyers want a house. If have the top in, if on top of that, you have the add-on of sustainability, it's okay as far as it's not more expensive. In the moment that it's more expensive, customers, buyers are going to look for a cheaper option. So it's something that goes in the shoulders of the developer. So we have to be very creative how to do this in the proper way and it's not really affecting the price at the end. Okay, so essentially it's about keeping the price point where it is or where it needs to be for your particular market, whatever the price per square meter might be, and not charging a premium for the sustainability, but using it as a USP, a unique selling point, a point of differentiation that creates standout in what I have no doubt is a, an increasingly crowded marketplace. You're, you're ultimately trying to you know, attract and win the attention of these potential buyers, and, and it's a strong narrative a strong story for you to tell but you have to 
make the numbers work, and that means pushing it down onto the architects, the engineers, the sustainability consultants on your team and, and insisting that it doesn't impact the uh, upfront capex too exponentially so that you're not putting yourself in a, a difficult position with the um, yeah, calculations on, on profitability and what have you. And how have you been able to integrate ESG strategy into these green micro-city developments so far then, trying then to distinguish between a green building, sustainability piece, and then an ESG piece, so yeah, environmental, social, and governance, the far larger spectrum. What else are you aiming for? What are you looking to add to that list from an ESG perspective in, in the coming years, perhaps something that's been impossible to achieve so far, but that may become possible in the coming years as you see it. So just be interesting to understand what you've achieved thus far and what remains to be achieved that you feel is within reach, but hasn't been possible up to now but for a number of uh, reasons. And it'll be interesting to hear those reasons if, if you're open to sharing that with us. Well, we've, we've done that applying certain internal policies uh, aligned with general concepts of ESG, but we cannot be 100% in compliance as an European you know, uh, company, construction company, for obvious reasons. Um, we have certain metrics that we adhere to, like our general, the like carbon footprint, etc., etc., and some others more related to the S of the ESG uh, framework that have to be with the social impact that we can uh, we can be a part of. Uh, in, in, in the place that we are making our developments. At the end, what we're doing is doing some kind of asymmetry. Uh, it's not just 33% each letter. It's probably more a 70% the S of the social and the 15 and 15 more of the governance, that which is a must. You know, we're a European company with uh, Latin American subsidiaries. And the E, the environment, goes last, not because we want it. It's because we have first to deliver a proper solution for a house just to have the customer really uh, being uh, aware that the E is, 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 is very important on that. So we're just applying our own asymmetry in this model. Well, I appreciate that's a very honest answer that, yeah, ultimately you end up having to focus primarily on social themes within the overall context of, of sustainability because that's primarily where the priority is in in Latin America. And you can go you can create a lot of impact with a few key initiatives on the environmental piece. So it may not necessarily take up as much time perhaps as your social initiatives, but you can do a lot of good positive change in the world with a few key measures, primarily around energy use, water consumption and uh, waste management, for example. So if, if we can move on, I wondered what opportunities you might see for modular construction techniques to disrupt the real estate industry in Latin America. I've looked at it in the past for a project where there's a strong argument around uh, modular construction that is all off-site, delivered to the site, pretty much ready to go, plug and play, You've got a lot less waste and you can really uh, strip back a lot of the slack in the system around construction that can 
drastically increase your own sustainability credentials and, and equate to cost-saving measures as well, although obviously it comes with its own caveats around um, yeah, needing to ensure that the quality stays the same of the, the ultimate residential experience that you deliver. But you clearly know far more about that than I, so I'd really like to hear your thoughts then on, on modular construction in Latin America and, and how you see that playing a role in, in your business in, in the future. Well, I think it's a huge opportunity. Uh, the, the, the fact that modular construction makes everything easier, faster, and probably cheaper, you have all the, all the facts um, that can, be, can make it uh, you know, a winning proposal. Also, um, labor skills is something that still have to be very much improved in, in the region. So having this type of construction techniques can help a lot. Well, I wasn't expecting that on skilled labor shortage, but of course it makes it makes sense when I when I yeah imagine myself being out there and trying to find, for example, skilled art stands, what have you, uh, in out of town locations. Yeah, I can see that that would be a challenge. And so, how interesting that modular construction that many developers come at for other reasons, frankly. Uh, provides that additional advantage for you and I think makes total sense because the technology has just advanced so much over recent years now that you're able to deliver the the premium quality uh, even if uh, considerable chunks of the the residences themselves are uh, built or constructed off-site and then and then shipped in final question then if I may what uh, what plans would you have for other countries? We've spoken about Colombia, but I know you, you, you've been looking at uh, Panama and Costa Rica as well. So what opportunity do you see for your developments there and, and how much do these three countries, Panama, Costa Rica and Colombia, differ in their real estate industries? You, you, you presumably are able to see uh, how you may need to adapt your product offering uh, going into each one of these, or do you feel that there is essentially a shared value system with your particular buyer demographic and psychographics that is common to all three of the countries in the same region? Well, yes, uh, we're right now in the moment of uh, expanding to uh, uh, nearby countries like Panama, Jose, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Chile. We are, you know, seeing huge potential in all the region for our model. Um, every country have his have difference, but also common points. One of those is the is the structural deficit, which makes probably um, easier uh, the the fact that people need houses and need proper houses, not just quantity, but also quality. Um, but we would say that probably in Panama and Costa Rica, people is more aware of this sustainability um, factor, just because the, the each country has its own pace economically and culturally. Uh, but in the case of Colombia, the, the lack of housing is so huge that probably sustainability is is not the main driver for a buyer today. So. That would be the, the short summary of it. 
Okay, awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much. It's been a really interesting conversation, quite unusual in a sense, because we've been able to get into this kind of cross-cultural debate and take a little step out from my comfortable world of, of European real estate or UK real estate and look at look at Latin America for a change. So I really encourage anyone who's who's interested in finding out more to check out miraval.com.co. We'll include all your social media links and the website links in the show notes. 